you for your goodness and your blessings in our lives in so many ways. We thank you for the fact that you do answer prayers. And Lord, sometimes you cause us to pray for many years before you answer those prayers. But we know that you and your time will always do what is best. We thank and praise you that we can trust you in any situation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All teens dismissed at this point, and the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Daniel. I love the story of Daniel. I love the fact that the Bible puts real stories of real lives in the Scriptures. And uh, tonight, we will deal with the test that Daniel had to face. And uh, there's not a one of us in here, even the little children, understand what it is to face a test of life. And, of course, one of my favorite bumper stickers has always been, always will be, as long as there are tests, there will be prayer in schools. Uh, Because people always pray when they have a test. Now, if you're asking God to help you remember what you did not study, tough luck. God doesn't answer those prayers, but if you're asking him to help you remember what you did study and what you did prepare for, God is into answering those kinds of prayers. Amen? This is the God of the Bible, and and these tests that are recorded in the life of Daniel are going to be tests that each one of us will face, maybe not in the same order or not in the same uh, severity, But we are going to have to face these things. And the first test, of course, Daniel chapter 1, probably everybody's already got point 1 figured out. It is not alliterated. Purity. The test of purity. Daniel had a choice. He was selected from the children of Israel. He was brought into the palace complex of the king of Babylon. He was to be trained for three years, and at the end of that time, he was to be evaluated as to his usefulness for the king. Now, you may say, why would Daniel want to serve a king who had conquered his people and maybe even was responsible for the death of many of his family members and now why would Daniel have any, any desire at all to serve this man or do anything for him? Well, how many of you know what happened to many of the other Jews that were taken captive? They were treated as slaves and worse. Daniel had the best opportunity of any of the children of Israel to live what we might call a normal life in the captivity to be anything but worked literally to death, Daniel had that opportunity. And he was going to put it all on the line. And let's just start here in verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank, Therefore, he requested of the king, prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, every one of us will have to fight a battle with purity. Here's the answer. Daniel purposed 
in his heart. That's where the battle is won or lost. If you wait until you're in the middle of temptation to figure out whether you're going to be pure or not, let me tell you, you're going to fail. Uh, If you wait until you're in a compromising situation, you know, growing up, one of the big things was, well, it's okay to do a little things. You know, the preacher is a little stern when he said, you know, you shouldn't hold hands and you shouldn't kiss and you shouldn't do a few things. And hey, let me tell you, the first time you kiss ought to be when the preacher says you may now kiss the bride. That ought to be the first time. Most often doesn't happen, does it? Because we've lost the battle of purity. If you don't purpose in your heart. Now, I'm one that is glad that God forgives sins. Amen. But you've got to make a decision in your heart about purity long before the temptation gets there. Or you will fail. This is the story of Daniel and his first test. And Daniel was very careful about how he did this. He went to the prince of the eunuchs. The Bible says that God had given him tender, uh, great favor and tender love in the sight of the prince of the eunuchs. Daniel was just one of those special young people. He walked in, and please don't try to read into your Bible anything more than is there. It was just compassion and care and concern Uh, Because this prince of the eunuchs was not only given Daniel and Azariah, Mishael, and and, um, the, uh, what was the, let's see, I missed a name there. But uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, there we go. And that wasn't all that he had. He had people from different groups. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar had conquered what we would call the then civilized world was under his domination. This, this group of eunuchs that he was in charge of, that Daniel was a part of, was from every people group on the face of the earth. And he had to take care of all these guys and he had to uh, make them look good in the sight of the king. Otherwise, the king had a, a very special way of taking care of uh, the prince of the eunuchs. It says, you're going to endanger my head. I mean, he just killed them and got somebody new to take over. I mean, this was the kind of man Nebuchadnezzar was. So Daniel goes and he says, listen, I've been obedient in everything you've said. By the way, how many of you remember teacher's pets in school? Remember those? How many of you were angry at the teacher's pet? Ah, that teacher's pet. Do you know how you become the teacher's pet? Study hard and do what the teacher says. Isn't that true? And why don't we like them? Because we don't want to study hard and we don't want to do what the teacher says. But we still want the grade, right? I mean, that was Daniel. He was obedient. And he used his prior obedience to, as leverage, we might say, with this prince. And he said, try us, test us. 
He didn't just go in there and stomp his feet and say, I'm not going to eat this slop because it doesn't match Jewish dietary law. Now, it didn't, and that's what he was talking about. He didn't want to defile himself, make himself unclean, and he said, just give us pulse and water. Now, pulse is not a word we use in modern English, but it basically works out to lettuce, spinach, mustard greens, collard greens. Uh, how many of you are excited about this menu? Now, I don't mind collard greens with a little bit of bacon and fat back in but that Jewish menu here, that wasn't possible. I mean, he had boiled greens and raw greens. Breakfast, lunch, supper for three years. I'll bet once he finished school, he never touched a green again. I know. I'm sure Daniel was that kind of man that he knew what was good for him, but... He said, the only thing they can give me that I know is not been unclean is just simple pulse. He said, I'll trust God. And he said, prove us. Give us 10 days. Check us out. You, you'll be able to tell whether we're getting thin and, and looking pale and sickly. And of course, have you ever met somebody on a vegetarian diet that didn't look pale and sickly? I mean, health food and all that. I mean, that's good. Right next to the bacon and all the other stuff. Amen. Uh, but the simple truth of the matter is, if you actually lived on that diet, you would be thin and sickly. But God intervened because God wanted Daniel to stay pure. And he'll do the same for you. If you'll let him. You know, purity is one of those things that once you've gotten rid of it, you never really get it back. And we've got to fight this battle. It was the first test. Daniel may have only been 12 or 13 years old at this time. He may have only been, uh, we don't know the exact age, but he was probably just a young man. And he was coming before the king and he was given the opportunity, we might say, of a lifetime. And, of course, Daniel was going to use what he was given to seek the benefit of his other friends and other Jewish people. And that was a good thing. But Daniel's first test, defilement with the world. The big battle in Christianity today is this test, is purity with the world. Are we going to let the world into our services? Are we going to allow the world to influence our worship with God? I heard about a church, uh, actually last summer I believe it was, they had 500 people left their church at one time. Because the rock band at the church over town was better than the rock band at the church they were a member of. said, the music wasn't quite as good. Now, let me tell you something. It was a lot more to the story than that, I'm sure, and I'm glad I don't know the details. But I don't think I have to worry about anybody leaving this church because some other church has got a better rock band. 
Because if that was your place, if that was your desire, you wouldn't be here in the first place. Amen. How much of the world are you going to allow? Well, the Bible answers that pretty carefully now, doesn't it? None. We don't want the world in the church. We are to be separate from the world. We cannot be defiled with the world and please God. And so, test number one. Purity. Test number two, chapter number two, I mean, it just goes right on. How many of you remember the story in in chapter two? Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He forgot his dream. He calls his wise men and said, I had a dream, but I can't remember what I dreamed. Tell me what I dreamed and what it means. Now, that's pretty bizarre request, is it not? And if it were not recorded in the scripture, uh, I don't think I'd believe this story. But because it's in the Bible, I believe it. Amen. And so Nebuchadnezzar, let's uh, just pick up a few highlights here because I don't want to keep you too long tonight. Verse 7, they answered again. These are the men that Nebuchadnezzar called in. Let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the, the interpretation of it. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that ye would gain the time because ye see the thing is gone from me. But if ye will not make known unto me the dream, there is but one decree for you. For ye have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me till the time be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I shall know that ye can show me the interpretation thereof. Verse 12, for this cause, the king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. Now, I want to look at this a little differently than most people look at this. This was a test of Daniel's testimony, was it not? You see, to this point, Daniel and his friends, even though they had passed the purity test and had kept themselves from being defiled with the king's meat, they were still just one of the magicians in Babylon, one of the soothsayers, one of the wise men. They were just one of the crowd. And you know what the world likes to do with Christians today? Oh, You're just one of those religious people. Well, let me tell you something. God wants to test you in a way that's going to show the world that you're not just another crazy religious person. These men were praying for their lives, were they not? The death sentence had been passed because no one could figure this out. And Daniel... He purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled with the king's meat. That's how he met the first test. Amen. Do you think that if he went back and just purposed in his heart that he would not die with the rest of the wise men in Babylon, it would have done him any good? Uh, No. You see, you don't face each test the same way. You must face different tests different ways. 
this test. Let's go down here and we'll see the answer here. Verse 14, Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, which was gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. Now, where in the world was Daniel going to get counsel? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his three friends. He answered with wisdom. Where does wisdom come from? James chapter 1. There's only one place to get wisdom. That's from God. And so Daniel had consulted with his friends. He had prayed and sought God with this. And he goes and speaks to this captain who's responsible, who very easily said, Oh, you're one of those wise men. And dead. He speaks very carefully to him. And he tells him, to uh, explain, he asked him to explain, and Arioch explains this thing, and Daniel then goes into the king and says, Give us a little time, king, and we will come up with your answer. Now, that was a pretty bold statement in and of itself. But he gets his three friends together. Verse 18 that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the men of Babylon. Now, if you read the story, God gave Daniel the answer. But it didn't come because of Daniel. It came because Daniel and his three friends sought the Lord to give a testimony. And when Daniel stood before the king, he says in verse 30, But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king, and that thou mightest know the thoughts of thy heart. Daniel said, listen, God has given you this dream so that you can know what's going on in your own heart. And of course, is that not what the Word of God is about? It convicts what is going on in our heart and teaches us that we need to surrender that heart to the God of heaven. Amen. And so Daniel prayed and Daniel now had a testimony that he and his three friends were not like everybody else. There was something different about them. That's what God wants to do in your life. When is the last time you allow God to give you a test that showed other people that your relationship with God was different than theirs? How are you going to witness to people where they will listen to you and want to have the same God that you have in a living relationship with a living God, if we cannot show the world that there is a difference between what the world calls religion and what the Bible calls salvation. Amen? That was Daniel's test. The next one's going to get tougher. Now, Daniel doesn't show up in chapter 3. Somebody is always asked the question, why isn't he there? I don't know. But I really believe that Daniel didn't need to show up in chapter 3 because he had already stood before the king and given him the answer. But Daniel's three friends 
hadn't been able to go along, and so they had to face their own test, exactly the same thing. We're not like they are. In fact, what a testimony when the three men came out of the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar says, You can say anything you want about anybody in the kingdom, but the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Tell you what, God is interested in lifting up his name. But we're primarily talking about the test in Daniel's life. Chapter 4 is going to deal with another dream in Nebuchadnezzar's life. And just in case you're wondering, God did use dreams and visions as such to reveal his word. He does not today because you have the Bible. You... You need to study what is in the Word of God. And I've never met a person seeking signs and wonders and visions that was actually living what the Bible said. It was Jesus' testimony, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Don't be a sign seeker. Be a Bible obeyer. Amen? But God gave Nebuchadnezzar another dream, and in this dream, and through Daniel giving the understanding, of course, verse 8 tells us that Daniel was the last one that was called in. And in verse 19, it says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. And the king spake and said, Belshazzar, let not the dream or the interpretation thereof trouble thee. Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee, and the interpretation thereof to thine enemies. Now Daniel was being very careful in his words. He was speaking to the most powerful man on earth, who, living in his day, who with just a word could cause Daniel to be slain. This was not cowardice on Daniel's part. This was wisdom and carefulness. You know, sometimes we could all use a little dose of being more careful in our words and how we address. And Daniel was very careful. But here's what Daniel had to do. He had to stand up to Nebuchadnezzar and rebuke him for his pride. Do you know how hard that is to do? You cannot tell somebody about their pride without offending them deeply. It's not possible. Because what does pride bring? Contention. You can't have contention without pride. And here Daniel is standing before Nebuchadnezzar and he's going to rebuke him for his pride. And by the time this whole thing is over, Nebuchadnezzar is going to have wallowed around with the oxen for seven years, laying out in the fields, eating grass, and his hair is going to be grown and his fingernails. and, And all of a sudden, God is going to cure him of this malady and he's going to come back into his kingdom. I don't know the story like this anywhere else in history. But Daniel looks at the king. Let's skip down to verse 27 here. 
Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thy iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. The, the Bible tells us that his tranquility lasted about a year. And Nebuchadnezzar finally couldn't stand it anymore. Is this not my kingdom that I have built for the excellency of my majesty? And everything that Daniel had said in the dream came true that very hour in the life of Nebuchadnezzar. You know what? We're going to be tested of having to stand up against the world in which we live. But let me ask you a question. Who did the correcting here? Did Daniel correct Nebuchadnezzar? God did, didn't he? God has not called the church to straighten out the world. If you will look at your life, if I will look at my life, we have a big enough problem to try to continually win the test of purity. Amen? To have a testimony that God is doing something different in our life than he is. The biggest problem I face is the guy in the mirror. That is I. The biggest problem you face is yourself. Don't go around trying to straighten out the world. That was not Daniel's test here. His test was to be willing to look in the face of the king and point his finger and say, you're the one that's in trouble, king. You know what Daniel was doing? I like to describe it this way. He was being a signpost. He said, Nebuchadnezzar, you need to find God. You need to change the way you live. Is that not the duty of each and every Christian? We are simply to point people to Christ. That's our job. We can't save anybody, but Jesus can. But Daniel's going to have another test. And his attitude and his behavior is going to be totally different. And yet, Let me explain something to you. As we get into Daniel chapter 5, if Daniel had not behaved this way, his life would have ended this night. Daniel was called into the feasting room of Belshazzar, not to be confused with Daniel's name, Belteshazzar. Now, did you get that? Belshazzar was the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Belteshazzar was David's name that they called Daniel's name. Wow, how in the world did David get in there? Sunday school's coming back. But it was Daniel's name that was given to him in school as he was being trained. And Belteshazzar, Belshazzar was having a party, and he had called for the wine goblets and the cups of the temple in Jerusalem that they could feast and praise the gods of Babylon. And to paint the rest of the picture, as we did a couple weeks ago, the armies of the Persians had laid siege to Babylon for months at this time. And they couldn't do anything about it. And so, 
Belshazzar, the king, thought, we'll show them, we'll show them how, how afraid we are. We'll have us a big, drunken, nasty, dirty, filthy, worldly party here, and we'll just do everything that we want to do to please ourselves because we don't have to worry about a thing. They can't get in. And the hand appeared out of nothing and wrote on the wall. And uh, Belshazzar didn't act very kingly. His knees were knocking together. Somebody find out what it means. I mean, that just, I mean, everybody was astonished because the king was not behaving as a king anymore. Finally, Daniel was called in. And here's what Daniel does. You knew Nebuchadnezzar's pride and what God did to him, and you refused to listen to his story. He says, let me tell you what these words mean. Your kingdom has been finished. It's going to be divided amongst the Mede and the Persians. And I want you to look down with me here to the verse 30. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. Now, what was his reward for giving the interpretation? He was made the third person in the kingdom of Babylon. Uh, what happened to the first two? They were killed that night. Why wasn't Daniel killed? Because he had prophesied against the other two. That's what protected Daniel when God's judgment came. They said, don't kill this guy. He's the guy that said, you were coming into the city tonight. This guy's on your side. He's not on our side. And Daniel was saved because he condemned the wickedness of the rebellion of those who were rebellious against God. There will come a time when you will be put to the test. And you know what most of us do? Well, that's okay. You can do what you want. It's a free country. It's not what Daniel did. Yes, it is a free country. And unfortunately, you are allowed to do things in this country under the guise of freedom that the Bible calls wickedness. Now, I'm not saying that we should go find us a gay pride parade and start yelling and screaming at all the people in the parade. That's not what the Bible's talking about. Daniel was called in there. Because no one else could give them direction. You keep doing right and God will put you in a situation where he will use you to condemn the wickedness of the world. But you've got to pass the test. And the last one, probably the most famous one, how many of you know the story of Daniel and the lion's den? I, I love that story. Daniel knew that the writing was said, signed, that the plotting of the planners, you know, 
How many of you have ever gotten, the Bible tells us not to get weary in well-doing, for you shall reap in due season if you faint not. It's easy to become weary in well-doing. Daniel had been doing well, and most of the pictures are uh, at this time are very incorrect. Daniel was in his late 80s, early 90s, at the very youngest at this point. He was an old man. And they made the proclamation that anybody that would pray to any person or any god other than the king should be cast into the lion's den. Daniel knew the paper was signed. His window was open to Jerusalem as it was at every time. You see, he had already passed the purity test. He had already passed the testimony. He already They already knew he wasn't like the rest of them. He had already pointed his finger in the king's face and condemned him for his sin. But he allowed God to do the correcting. He condemned Belshazzar for the wickedness of his heart. Now Daniel was tested. Will he just keep doing right. Sometimes I think this is the hardest test of all. We have many people. I've, I've, I've met preachers who have been in the ministry 25 and 30 years and all of a sudden, boom, they're gone. It's, it's a fearful world in which we live. People who have been married 25 and 30 years all of a sudden just throw it all away. Why? Because they do not have what it takes to just continue on. If you're doing right today, you have a pretty good chance of doing right tomorrow. Amen? And Daniel was just doing what was right, and he kept praying... And he said, I'm just going to obey God no matter what. And they threw him in the lion's den. And, of course, most of us have never been that close to a real lion. But let me tell you something. They stink. And they tell us that you can hear a lion's roar two miles away. How many of you would like to be close to one of those things? Not until the millennial kingdom. Amen? But here was Daniel put in this den of lions. And of course, lions are just like your little house cats. They always use the litter box over in the corner and everything smells. No. That was, that was a, a terrible place to be just because of everything that was there. And Daniel had to spend the night there. And God sent his angels to shut the mouths of the lions. And in the morning, the king comes out. Oh, Daniel! The servant of the living God is thy God, whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lions. And you could just hear the silence. All of a sudden comes the old voice of Daniel saying, O king, live forever. 
And Daniel is taken out of the lion's den. Why did God protect Daniel? Because he was doing right. You know, there is no safety and protection in this world today. If you want protection, you better get it from God. You know how you get it? Just doing right. This is the life of Daniel. I pray that I'll never have to look into the face of the king and point my finger at him and call on his pride. But you know what? As a pastor, I have to do that all the time. And it's not a very easy thing to do. But that's what God calls us to do sometimes. I hope and pray I'm never called into a drunken party like he was to condemn the wicked. But yet, it was his condemnation of Belshazzar and the feast that protected him when the armies of the Persians and the Medes came into the city of Babylon. It was God who protected Daniel in the lion's den. And though our test may never be on the same level or the same uh, uh, significance, we'll still be tested every way that Daniel was. And God is still watching. And that makes it important. And we need to determine that we're going to pass these tests in service to the God of this book called the Bible. And all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we ask that you would help us, that you would open our eyes to see the tests that are set before us. And Lord, that we would pass these tests with your strength, to your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And we'll just give a moment if you need to slip out and spend a few moments at the altar or just want to pray there in your seat, that's fine. And well, let's prepare our hearts for the time of prayer to follow.